Welcome to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast from Houston, Texas. We hope you enjoy our English pastor, John Ryan Cantu's Sunday morning message. We're on week three of our member series. And once again, if you've missed any messages, you can always go back and you can listen to the, uh, to the podcast, the Primera podcast. You can catch up there. Um, we've been going back to the basics of what it means to be a healthy church. Like the one exemplified in Acts chapter 2, before live sound and before events and programs and all these types of ministries, even before the completion of the scriptures, that early church thrived. So we've been looking at, at how they've modeled church so that we can reflect uh, that early church. Amen. We've been talking about the importance of unity, community, and today we are on a subject that I don't particularly enjoy speaking on. But it's the word of God. And when it's the word of God, what are you going to do? Preachers shouldn't have the luxury of just choosing messages that are going to pump up the crowd, uh, but also convict people. Um, the Bible is compared in Hebrews to a double-edged sword, right? Because the Bible isn't always meant to make you feel good, but to pierce. Some will say pierce. Pierce the depths of your soul because sometimes we need to feel the pain in order for us to wake up and take action. So uh, we're going to let the scriptures do what the scriptures do this morning. And I'm reading from the gospel of Mark chapter 12, beginning with verse 41. And you can turn there. Mark 12, verse 41 through 44. And if you don't have your Bibles this morning, it's all good. I have it. But it's not all good. You should bring your Bible to church, but um, I've got your back. Amen. So here it says, and he sat down opposite the treasure and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums and a poor widow came in, put two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said, truly, I say to you, this poor woman this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box for they contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all that she has to live on. Amen. Did you get that? You already know what the message is on. And I've entitled today's message. All I've got, all I've got. Someone say that with me. All I've got. I, I got to feel that energy in the room man. it, it helps me. You know, couples, whenever you're going to get married, um, you, what, what are you doing? You're committing yourselves to each other completely, right? When there's that genuine love there, let me tell you, husbands, there's hope. You don't have to be a millionaire. She probably prefers it, but you don't have to be a millionaire. Wives, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be the best cook. Amen? Someone said amen. I mean, Brother Larry's like, no, you got that wrong, Pastor. (laughs) Heresy. (laughs) Different people have different criteria. But uh, what, you know, whether it, whether I have a dollar or a million dollars, I know that what matters most to my wife is that I simply give all that I have to her and her family. I have to give her all I've got. She doesn't want 50%. I'm not at home Monday through Wednesday. And then the rest of the week, I'm somewhere else. I've got to give all that I've got. It's the same with God, you know. God doesn't desire 100% of a specific number or 100% of a a certain aspect of your life. He wants 100% of you, all you've got. Now, like I said, why do we have to talk about giving? Well, because the Bible talks about it. 
Jesus spends a lot of time in the scriptures talking about the subject of money. 11 out of his 39 parables are on the subject of money. You've probably heard a preacher or two say before that uh, Jesus talked about money more than anything else in the scriptures. And that's not really true, but he does speak a lot on the issue. So because he speaks so much on it, I wonder why the church is so afraid of talking about something that Jesus spoke so much about. And I'm preaching to myself because, like I said, I don't enjoy these topics. But I think I have an idea why so many churches and and so many pastors kind of shy away. It's because when you start talking about money in, in the church, money divides people. Money makes people, it can make people greedy. It makes people uncomfortable. It can lead people to making foolish decisions. And this one's especially true because we have a sense of entitlement when it comes to our money. Feel that? That's, that's the piercing. Why shouldn't we, man? Why, why shouldn't we feel entitled to our money? The government definitely does, right? We, we, we work hard for it. Some of you are out there in, in, in the 120 degree weather, Houston, working all of this, all these hours outside and, you know, working for, for, for your family. I remember, I still remember my first job. I would go, I would, I would work with my dad. He had a business uh, in Colorado. Uh, one summer I, I went to work for him. I was 11 years old and um, we were living at, you know, like I said, we were living in Colorado at the time. My cousin Carlos, he actually lived with us. And he was going to be making a trip back down to Houston because he was going to be moving back. And he had just uh, he had just bought like a brand new Ford Mustang convertible. And, and so I thought, man, maybe I'll go with him, you know, spend the spend the summer there uh, with with my friends and my family and, you know, some old girlfriends. Right. That I left when I was nine years old. Go visit them. Uh, <laughs> um, but but then my dad made me an offer that I couldn't refuse. Forty bucks a day to work for him. At 11 years old, that's 200 bucks a week. That's weekends off. All I needed was like health care and I was set. <laughs> uh, and this is a true story, man. But I knew my worth. I negotiated with him. It was the night before. I, was, I, was, I already had my, 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 my bags packed. I was ready to go with Carlos the next day. I said $50 a day or no deal. And he gave it to me. $250 a week for, for an 11-year-old. What? Man, that is like, I was like a millionaire. I remember that first week I, I worked for him. Uh, Friday came. I went out to my dad. I was you know, with my hand out, like ready for my check. And he comes out with, with a wad of, of cash, and, and he decided to pay me in $20 bills. So it felt like a lot of money. And my sister Ashley was right there watching it all go down as he was placing bill after bill after bill in my hand. And, uh, you know, she quickly stops my dad. It's like, hey, that's, that's not fair. Why does he get to work with you? Why can't I work with you? You're always doing this. You always choose him. You know how Ashley is. Um, and I quickly, I quickly stopped my dad and I told Ashley, it's because you're a little girl. That's why. And you don't, you don't, you don't say fighting words to Ashley. And I learned that growing up. Uh, and she got in my face and she was like, Ryan, give me one. Give me a 20. And I was like, What? I work hard for this money. I, I, I'm sacrificing my summer vacation to go and work eight hours a day, taking two-hour lunch breaks, you know, hour breaks sporadically throughout the day. I, I, I'm entitled to this money. At 11 years old, I became entitled to my own money. And then grew up a little bit. We moved back to Houston. I started getting some other jobs uh, that paid a little bit more. And uh, graduating high school, I, I worked at, at Starbucks for a little for a little while. And, you know... Being young with no bills, the only thing that you learn how to do is spend money. That's it. And if that's how you learn 
at an early age how to manage your money, <laughs> your future is going to be messed up. Okay, so parents, man, teach your teach your kids how to how to save because that's all I did. That's all I did at you know in, in high school, seventeen years old. I would I would get my, my my check and I would spend my money, all my money, and because I thought that you had to have money to give money. Because how are you going to give from what you don't have? I could never give to the kingdom of God. And, and then, hold on, let me, let me, let me stop and, and, and just quick testimony. Um, I didn't spend any money this week just because Amazon decided to throw itself a little holiday. Okay, praise God. I don't know if I could say the same for all y'all. But anyways, because I was always spending money, I never had money and I would never give. But then Jesus was like, hey, Ryan, I've got a passage for you. I got a verse for that, which leads me back to verse 41, where it says, and he sat down and watched people putting money into the offering box. I want you to, I want you to picture that during offering time, people coming up, Jesus takes a seat right there. He's, he's watching people put money into the offering box. Have you ever pictured God watching the way that you spend your money? Have you? Like, Imagine God over your shoulder while you're shopping online for Amazon, all right? Melissa, anytime we're at a restaurant, she orders a Dr. Pepper. She quickly glances at me to to see if I'm judging her. I wonder if Jesus was in the checkout line with us, what we would go and put back on the shelves. Like, girl, you don't need another Ray Dunn cup. You don't need it. But it it says drink on it. You don't need a cup to tell you to drink out of it. Like, seriously? <laughs> Shots fired. Um, <clears throat> what, about, what about when you realize that, that he's also watching you when you're giving? I remember being a teenager right here uh, in youth service, literally pulling out my money to calculate how much I could give if I still wanted to go out to eat afterwards. So I'd have $20. I need about 15 bucks, you know, just, just to be safe. $5 goes to Jesus. And you think about it, and it's kind of, it's, it's true, so it's kind of sad that the people, people who profess the Christian faith, man, we show it with our lips, with our attendance, with our service, but we hardly ever show it with our money. And, you know, Jesus, he's not displeased with how much we give. He's displeased with where we've placed our priorities, because the way that people spend is a testament to that person's lifestyle. It tells people what you care about. And there's, no, there's nothing wrong with it. There's not, nothing sinful. It's not even frowned upon for you to want a nice lifestyle. Who doesn't want to take multiple vacations a year? That's 100% me. Melissa says, I live for vacation. She's right. Who doesn't, who doesn't want a, a decent car, a nice house, nice things? Who doesn't want to have a fancy meal every now and then? Again, 100% me. But, but how much of what you care about is going to the kingdom of God? What's the balance, church, between what you're setting your, yourself up for here and what you've got stored up for yourself in heaven? Because I'm convinced, man, that if, if the kingdom of God were like a retirement account, some of us better never retire. Some of us is going to be working forever. Because it's not, it's, not a, it's not that we don't know how to give. It's that we just give to ourselves far more than we give to the kingdom of God. Jesus was watching those putting in their offering. And he noticed some wealthy people putting in large sums of money. 
Can I be honest with you? I ain't gonna lie. I've longed for some rich people to come into the doors of our church. All we need is one. One millionaire, one, one billionaire, one good offering. Man, oh, that'll, that'll take care of some issues. I, I've even had that conversation. You know, I made that verbal commitment that I think every Christian makes with God at some point in your life. If I get wealthy, God, I will give so much to the kingdom, right? But then you, you stop to think about that and, and what Jesus was about, and you realize that he wouldn't be impressed with the sum of what you're giving. In fact, if I'm so eager to bless the kingdom of God, I can do that now. No church needs wealthy members. It just needs giving members. I talk to a lot of pastors, and a lot of them say the same thing. I, I kind of hear this, this trend. Every church, every, every, every smaller church, they say um, that they have a few good uh, members who kind of just, they hold it down. They hold down the ministry. Got one, two, maybe, maybe three. They call them financial pillars of the church. And I'm thinking to myself, why do we need pillars when we could just have a strong foundation that supports the entire structure? And I don't know if that makes sense architecturally. I know we have a couple ar- architects in here that's figurative, okay? Uh, but meaning, not just one or two or three good givers, but a giving church. That's what the scripture teaches, that we all be givers. And verse 42 says that a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins. A small dollar amount, but the greatest offering of the night. And church, I think that there's, there's something that we really need to understand about giving that so many of us have failed to understand. You know, people, I think the reason that a lot of people don't give is because they think that their dollar isn't going to, it's not going to go very far. What's $5? What's $10? It's not going to help anything. Or people don't support, or they, they, they don't support a ministry because they're too embarrassed by how much they can contribute. So this is what we need to understand, that giving is not a matter of the wallet or the bank account. It's a matter of the heart. He didn't call you to be Bill Gates or Elon Musk. He called you to be you, but to bring the best of what you've got. That's what the Acts 2 church did. Uh, last week, we, we talked about the Acts 2 church, and, and it said that they would give as they saw need, meaning that they were always ready to give. They gave as they saw need. I want to make note of that real quick. I want you to note that they weren't just throwing money away at nothing. They weren't like, here, Pastor, take my money. I don't know what you're going to do with it, but take it. No, they didn't do that. They gave as they saw the need to give. And unfortunately, the, the church has been painted as, uh, as, as this kind of money-hungry, greedy uh, institution by so many corrupt uh, preachers and pastors who distort the message of giving. And it's made us a little skeptical, right? Can we just admit? I mean, I, I'll go into churches sometimes and, and the preacher will be speaking about how he needs to raise an offering for himself and I'm like, Psh. Psh. we all get a little skeptical when it comes to, to a church or an organization that, that asks for, for money because everyone kind of hesitates for a little bit. And I, I, I was telling you guys that, that I, I, I found this study that studied millennials in churches where, where millennials um, go to. And it said that millennials don't like to give to vague causes. They like to give to, to specific causes. 
They want to know where their, their finances are going. That kind of sounds like the early church who gave as they saw the need to give. They would give to the poor. They would give to the widow. They would give to the temple. They would give to the apostles. They gave as they saw need. Here's the thing. If you open your eyes, you're going to see a need everywhere. You're going to see opportunities to be a blessing everywhere. But they weren't just throwing their money at nothing. The kingdom of God is not nothing. People use that all the time, man, when they're raising offerings. Hey, your, your, your offering's going into the kingdom of God. Well, we're exactly in the kingdom of God. I don't know. I don't know. Don't question that. It's just going to the kingdom of God. The early church gave as they saw the need to give. They were strategic in everything they did, including their giving. If our church, and I've already, I've already, I've been thinking about this for a long time. If our church, well, maybe I should say when, when our church gets to the level where we have very little need, where we can easily can pay our bills and assign budgets to the ministries and fix what needs to be fixed and do improvements and all, all that. When we get to that place, I like to do something, man, that, that this, this one church did in Wichita, uh, Pathway Church. I don't know if anyone's heard about this, but this past year, they're, they're a big church. As a means to promote uh, their Easter service, they sent out 1,600 letters to, to family members in their community who had massive medical expenses. And, and, and they wrote this little note. It says, we're Pathway Church. We may never meet you, but as an act of kindness in the name of Jesus, your debt has been forgiven. They were able to cancel $2.2 million of medical expenses in that community. They gave as they saw the need to give. That is what the church should do. And my challenge to you this morning, church, is to look for the need. Look for opportunities. Run towards the, the problems where, where you can be a blessing because they're all over the place. I can name you about 100 here in the church. About 100 light bulbs need to be changed. There are, there are needs in this, in this community. There are needs with the person that you sit next to at, at work or at school. Look for a need and give. That's what it means to be a member of the body of Christ. And don't, don't worry about the amount because God doesn't look at, at dollar signs. He looks at the condition of the heart. He looks at your priorities. Don't worry about the minor inconveniences that it may cause you. I think we have a, we got to get out of our, our my mindset, my money, my problems, my time, my stuff. We need to be a church that cares for the needs, that looks for the needs and runs towards them. I want you to think about this. The father gave his son. The son gave himself. The spirit gave power. The church gives to the needs. It's all about giving. And this is not me saying it. This is scripture saying it. This is Jesus saying it. This is Jesus con- uh, commending not, not an amount, but, but a, a condition of the heart that is willing to give to the kingdom of God. Jesus said, truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more. For they contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had. There are so many Christians, man, who uh, have yet to give all they've got. Maybe, maybe you give in some aspects. 
Maybe you serve. Maybe you give in many aspects. Can I be honest with you? Let me just quick testimony. I don't know if it's testimony. It's, it's uh, kind of makes me look bad. But I used to not be a very big giver. I, I used to not be a very uh, frequent tither. And I would justify it. I would justify it. How many of us justify things all the time, man? We convince ourselves of things and that they're okay. And I would tell God, God, I mean, I give you so much of my time. I'm always working in different aspects of ministry. I've devoted my life to, to ministry and, and, and worship. And, I'm going, and I'm, I'm going to these events. And sometimes I'm getting paid. Our, our, our band one time got paid in, in chocolate cake. Remember that, Joel? And I would, I, would, I would tell all this to God, like, God, I mean, I'm, I'm giving you in so many aspects. Like, I mean, it's okay, right? But I wasn't giving God all of that I, I had. I wasn't giving God all 100% of what I had to give. And I'm wondering how many of us here and this morning still have more to give to the one who continuously gives us more. I don't know that. I don't know your situation. I don't know what you're giving, but God is demanding 100% of what you have to give. All that you've got. Are you willing? It's a tough word, man. Told you it was going to pierce you. But I think that the church, we need to, we need to go back to the way that the early church did it that the early church thrived in so many ways that we, we just we kind of look past today we look at things that can make our services better and our churches better and all of that is good but the, we're, we're missing the mark on so many key fundamental things and so I want to challenge you church to give God all that you've got to give amen I'm going to ask that we stand this morning Thank you, Jesus. And right there where you're at, I'm just going to ask that you, you bow your heads and I'm going to say a prayer with you. Heavenly Father, I thank you, my God, for this word, my God, that wasn't easy to preach and was probably not easy to listen to, my God. But I, I thank you, my God, because your word convicts. Your word pierces the depths of our, of our hearts, my God, and it, it, it calls us to be better, Lord for you and for your kingdom, my God. And I pray, Lord, that that's what happens in this moment, Father, that we may give everything that we've got to give to you, my God, whether it be time, my God, whether it be in finances, my God, whether it be in faith, whether it be in trusting who you are, my God, that we may just give you more because you have given us everything, my God. Stir our hearts this morning, Father God, to be better for you, Lord to desire more of you, Father God. We thank you, my God. Right now, I want to do what you Thanks for tuning in to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast. Join Pastor John Ryan Cantu every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For directions or more information, visit us at primeraiglesia.org. We'll see you next time and hope you have a blessed week.